0: Just a quick reminder that I do now have a second podcast called Track Nerds, where I have guests on to discuss travel, exercise, and movies and TV. Check it out. Okay, enjoy the show. The biggest thing with the wind that shakes the barley here that it kind of made me think of, the futility. We've talked about the futility of war when we're looking at World War One. This just really just summed up how complicated all this stuff is in real life and i think it did a really good job of just kind of it's just ugly this revolution and war is just ugly and yeah it's so it's told from the irish point of view and they definitely make the british the bad guys but then our here our irish heroes are far from innocent and just the waste of life you see in these revolutions and the biggest thing too, it really highlighted that it seems like the problem throughout all of history comes down to oppression and the fight against oppression, and we yes. see that in full force here. Oh my gosh! When uh, and we're kind of, I'm kind of getting into it before we start back at the beginning, but when uh, when we see Killian Murphy getting interrogated and refusing to give his name, and he just kind of like almost through teary eyes says. Just get out of my country. Just yeah. we don't want you here. How dare you ask me these questions? Just leave my country. And you're right. just like, oh it just kinda says it all. So let's rewind. <laughs> and kind of get a better look at because we haven't really talked we have i don't know have we had an episode in in ireland yet in this timeline i mean there's it's kind of been in the periphery but but
1: so i love this movie Th- so this is watching it for this podcast is the first time that i ever i'd ever seen it same but man it is it's so good it makes you feel so many things yes and killian murphy is awesome in this movie yes he kills it which i'd only ever seen him i think and. 28 days later yes and and then obviously as as scarecrow in the christopher nolan batman movies
0: right i think i lost all his stuff in kind of the wrong order because i think i probably saw 28 days later first before i even know who he was in fact i didn't even realize that it was killian murphy in 28 days later until like 10 years after i saw the movie right and then yeah batman begins i'm like oh who's this guy whatever they're making a big deal out of him and i don't know who he is and then you start start seeing more of his stuff so i take it you have not seen peaky blinders
1: no i haven't oh
0: my gosh killian murphy is a badass you ought to watch peaky blinders
1: i have a f- like a few buddies who have who have watched it and they all you know think it's great i just i, I haven't uh it's one of the things i just haven't haven't yeah, gotten to yeah yet, well
0: especially after seeing killian in this i i think it'd be appropriate now to follow that up with starting to watch peaky blinders just because it's yeah, it's a well, similar time period. I think *Peggy Blinders is probably set okay. darn near in the same decade or shortly thereafter what we see here in When the Shakes the Barley, which opens in 1920. So yeah, backtracking with the Irish history side of things, again, it's complicated, and we aren't going to be able to dissect it fully. No,
1: but you basically have to go all the way back to like Oh, I'm the going 11, back centuries. 70s. Yes, I'm going back centuries yeah. here, yeah. <laughs> you have to go back to like Henry the Second going to Ireland for the first time. <laughs> yeah. is basically as far back as you have to go to understand. Yes, yes. I, I was dynamic. Gonna,
0: yeah, I was going to simplify it more than that and just kind of say that Ireland has been under the thumb of England for centuries. Yes. So... Oh, Here, so I explained it before when we've talked about English history, but just just to kind of recap. So off the northwest coast of Europe, continental Europe, you have the English Isles or the British Isles. The largest island is the island of Great Britain. Regardless of the countries, that's geographically that large island. Because of the British Isles, it's the largest island in the British Isles, so it is Great Britain. The smaller but also very large island next to that is the island of ireland <laughs> so those are kind of yes. the two main land masses of the british isles off the coast of europe there and so yes without rehashing all of english and irish history the island of ireland has long been under british control whether you call that united kingdom great britain england we'll call it it's mean, it complicated calling it england is probably not the best thing to do we'll say on uh, the united kingdom. So the united kingdom before it was the United kingdom had control of ireland and what further than exacerbates things in this movie and even honestly to the present day is the heavy influx of protestants living on the north end of ireland who remain loyal to britain almost exclusively because they are protestant and most of ireland is catholic
1: and because the united kingdom sent them there to take that (laughs) land away from catholics because they thought the catholics were getting too powerful or they they thought that the the catholics were getting too squirrely
0: right so it was a concerted effort in like the 1600s to send the newly reformed protestants of england you know of course you have the you know protestant reformation you know following luther henry viii kind of did his own thing and starts the anglican church and then they wanted to make sure they were sending their new anglicans over to the island of ireland to keep those darn catholics from running amok
1: right because initially when Henry II invaded Ireland in the 1170s right when they were catholic too right they, so they they actually set the, the reason that they went to Ireland in the first place was to help the catholic church maintain a better control over the irish population mm. and they set up a lordship of ireland that was a church position held by the king of england <laughs> I missed that. So it was a church position called the Lord of Ireland. Then fast forward to 1542, well, a little bit before that, uh, Henry VIII founds the Church of England because, you know, Pope won't let him annul his marriage, all that stuff. So he says, "Well, I'll make my own church and call it the Church of England." So now there's this. Well, wasn't the King of England the Lord of Ireland? But that's a Catholic Church position, and the Lord of England or the King of England isn't Catholic anymore. So basically, then Henry VIII says, "Well, then I'll be the King of Ireland, and it doesn't matter whether I'm Catholic or not. Right, right. I'm I rule over you." So then, in uh, the 1600s, they have what's called the Plantation of uh, Ulster, which is. Actually, the effects of the plantation of Ulster can be seen today in the separation between a mostly Protestant Northern Ireland and a mostly Catholic Southern Ireland because the crown started sending all of these Protestants to Northern Ireland because at that time, Northern Ireland was like the most Catholic, most anti-British rule part of the country. So they sent all of these Protestants there to get rid of that problem. So you have this huge Protestant population in the north, huge Catholic population in the south, just like it is today. And that was over 400 years ago. Right. No, it's. So then there was uh, a rebellion in uh, 1798 inspired by the French Revolution. There was an an Irish rebellion. It ended up getting squashed by the by the British. And then in 1801, uh, Ireland joined the United Kingdom. In most of Ireland, there was this, you know, big kind of feeling that they should be um, their own independent country. So they they passed, it was like two or three um, home rule bills in the 19th century. And then in 1914, um, they finally got one passed, but then it wasn't implemented because the UK was like, well, you know, we're kind of in the middle of this World War One thing right now. We'll get back to you on that. And then they never did. So in uh, 1918, there was a political party in Ireland called Sinn Féin, which they actually, Killian Murphy talks about in that interrogation scene. He talks about them winning, you know, 73 seats, and uh, that's a reference to this political party, Sinn Féin, which is pro-Irish independence. They won 73 of 105 Irish Parliament seats and then decided, we're not going to show up to Parliament. We're going to make our own Irish Parliament, and we're now the Republic of Ireland, and this is our army, the Irish Republican Army. And that's kind of where the movie starts. So 800 years. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. And, of, and of again, again we again, we, we'll, we we say it over and over again, and we'll continue to say it over and over again. It's like it's, it's all connected. You know, I mean, I remember being in middle school and hearing about IRA attacks. And that's not exactly the same IRA that we're dealing with in the movie. But it's definitely an ancestor of it or descendant of it. And right. it's all connected.
1: Yeah, after so... This movie is just, it's basically just the Irish Revolution or the Irish War for Independence, which is separate from the Irish Civil War, which you kind of start to see the beginnings of Correct. at the Correct. end of this movie. And then that, the Irish Civil War it basically lasts for like the rest of the 20th century almost, like all the way into the 90s.
0: Right. I was kind of getting confused by that. And so, yeah, so yeah the movie does it. It's kind of a neat job of it just kind of throws you into the middle of it. So a lot of the major stuff has already happened and we are kind of yeah. the beginnings of the IRA, but it's following, I mean, obviously like you were saying, world war one, and we haven't even mentioned the Easter rebellion or in, right. in, in 1916, right in the middle of world war one. So basically you have a lot of these Irish that refuse to go off and fight during world war one. Cause screw Britain and their war, we're going to just stay here and not die for them. And, and doing a lot of attacks or just kind of, causing hell for the british and just again there was this huge huge push for self-control which again is what i was talking earlier about oppression that's what everybody wants everybody wants the right to self government that's why we rebelled from great britain and we're just kind of seeing it's why the people wanted the czars out in russia it's why they're fighting against diaz in mexico it's it is all all kind of connected
1: and it's it's funny that you say that about the Irish not wanting to fight in World War One, because in World War Two, when Ireland was its own country, they didn't. They didn't help it. They didn't. They stayed neutral in World War Two.
0: And and I'm kind of bouncing all over the place, but when we flew into Dublin and. In- 2010 it was during the world cup and we were confused when we go into this pub in ireland and they had american flags hanging all over the thing and we were like well hey what's up why what's with all the american flags and they're like oh you guys are playing britain today oh nice and i was like oh but again it's connected because right. our favorite team is ireland and whoever's playing great britain because screw right. those guys yeah. even in 2010 even today it's now it's a little more of maybe a you know good natured rivalry to a point i think there's still right. some bad blood there it's just not to the point of violence it's not like they're buddy buddy yeah. with britain today it's kind of just a reluctant tolerance and they get along but there's some bad history there
1: which and this is getting a little current eventsy for this podcast but with a no deal brexit there is a Big fear that that could reignite some of these issues, some of these tensions, if all of a sudden Northern Ireland, which is part of the UK and Ireland, the other country on the island of Ireland, <laughs> uh, if there all of a sudden is now a border, because right now there's
0: it's the soft of, EU border,
1: right, right, right. There's there's essentially no border, right. Um, you can go back and forth. You know, citizens of one can live in the other, and you know, travel freely, and but. If that happens, that might that might cause some problems. Uh, So there is currently no, you know, Irish Civil War 2.0 at at time of recording.
0: True. We're recording this in August and this isn't going to go up until like November or December. Yeah, it could be way different from what uh, what it is when we're talking about. It. I, so basically, yeah, this week they just actually did it just yesterday they asked the Queen to suspend Parliament or something, giving yes. Johnson like more control over this whole No Deal Brexit thing. I don't know, I haven't been following exactly, but it's a mess.
1: From what I understand, it like it gives uh it gives Parliament less time to try and stop a No Deal Brexit or something like that.
0: But yes, it all ties in. So yeah, so the see, see the conflicts. I remember even back when I was like middle school age, where you still had some violent conflicts, and you know northern ireland kids getting you know killed on their way to school or vice versa and a lot of that violence i don't want to say i don't think it went completely away but it became way less of a problem once you kind of had the eu and more kind of free borders and it wasn't it it softened the border between northern ireland and ireland and that lessened the violence once you're kind of going back and forth and you're actually working and socializing with the people on the other side it causes less problems like we've talked about with the middle east the more they put up the lines well, now it's our side versus your side. Whereas before it was like, oh, I don't care that you're Shia and I'm Sunni. Like, it's all whatever. But the moment you put a line between us, oh, now we're fighting. Right. And so, yes, the, yeah, the worry is with the Brexit thing that it could reignite all that. So, <laughs> bringing it bringing it back to the movie. So, the movie, The Wind Shakes the Barley, is actually kind of just a fictionalized account. The characters in this movie are not real. But they do a very good job of putting you in the very real world of ireland at this time and so even if the specific incidents are fictionalized they're very very much based in actual events just not specific actual events uh things like the railroad where the irish railroad says um yeah we're not going to haul british weapons and troops around the country of ireland that did actually happen and we yeah. we see an incidence of it happening in the movie Again, just not a specific one, but they that kind of thing was going on. These kind of hits that the IRA is taking out against British troops, the uh, specifically what do they call them, the Black and Tans, were kind of these British hardliners were basically sent over to Ireland's acting up. We're going to go squeeze them even harder, which, of course, made their reaction even worse. So it ends up being this whole eye for an eye thing. Very Israel-Palestine, honestly, if you think about how this was kind of this back and forth of... Yeah, we control you. No you don't. Yes we do. No you don't. Punch. Oh, you're going to punch us. So uh, when was when was Bloody Sunday in our timeline here? I kind of I know I was looking at that, but I didn't see exactly when if that was before or after the movie here. You know, because Bono sings about Bloody Sunday, right? Yeah.
1: That wasn't until 1972.
0: Oh, I was thinking there was another one. There's a 19 tw- there's a 1920 Bloody Sunday also.
1: Oh, okay. Well, i think the one that bono sings about is 1972 though
0: oh okay okay yeah yeah yeah, that makes sense but again to your point it's all connected so yeah so this movie is mostly set in 1920 and they kind of put they they kind of put that 1920 as the setting very purposely so because a lot kind of happens in 1920 so these issues have been going on for a long time you have you had the uh the easter rising in 1916 but while britain was worried with world war one even though Ireland was an issue, they just didn't have the time or the resources to really mess with it. Well, once World War One ended, they basically got really hardline against Ireland and were like going to get them back in line. They are part of our empire. We are going to get them back under control by force. And right. specifically the back, black and tan troops, as they were called, were ruthless. So if like the IRA, you know, attacks some British people, the black hands might retaliate by burning an uh, entire village of civilians out of their homes. And it was, it was just a, not a proportionate response because the idea was to set an example and just put a stop to it. And then after they kind of get, and again, so we see this fighting within the movie, it kind of goes back and forth. And again, it's kind of heartbreaking. We're dealing with the personal uh, relationships with all these characters, but ultimately the British, it gets to the point where the British government has had enough and the moment in the movie where they're all really happy is there's a ceasefire been announced, and of course it's right after we see some black and tans attack Killian's girlfriend. Yep. And the, but they're all still excited for a truce. They're only going to ask for a truce if they're willing to come to the table and, and you know discuss our demands, and maybe we're one step closer to being a country of our own. Isn't this great? Then that leads into the treaty, and so technically right. the revolution is ends and there's the big debate over basically what are called the free staters who yes. are okay. So basically Britain's proposal is the way for a modern American audience to think of it is think how Australia and Canada are now. They are completely autonomous countries, but Queen Elizabeth is on Canadian money and these they still see the British flag on the Australian flag. And it's they are basically I forget the term, but they are underneath the British Commonwealth. Empire Commonwealth. They are part of the Commonwealth yes.
1: And in the, in the treaty, I think that the term they use is dominion, that Ireland would be a dominion
0: of yes, the British Empire. Yes. But still essentially the same what Canada is today. Right. Right. Basically, now you have Ireland split. The revolution is essentially over, and they have this treaty establishing the Irish Free States, which basically sets them up under Great Britain, but autonomous to a great degree to where some of the major revolutionaries and IRA members even – are saying, this is the victory we want. And the famous revolutionary who does get a mention in the movie, Michael Collins, kind of said, this gives us the freedom to pursue freedom. Now, he's not a character in the movie, but there is a Liam Neeson movie called Michael Collins that you could probably also watch that would go into all this from his point of view. And he would be a historical figure dealing with a lot of these same things, just kind of in different parts of the country than our characters here. Yeah. And I actually haven't seen that movie. Have you seen Michael Collins by any chance?
1: I I have not. Uh, But I think Liam Neeson is from Northern
0: Ireland, correct? He's from Belfast. Oh, interesting. Because Michael Collins is obviously uh, on the other side of things here. Anyway, so, but then what happens is, and we see the beginnings of it in the movie, and it doesn't really get into it. So, basically, the, the movie, again, picking 1920, gives us the end of the kind of the revolution or the war for independence from Britain and setting up this free state. And the free state basically wins for now. But again, in the movie, there's basically the treaty, pro-treaty, and anti-treaty people. And Killian Murphy represents the branch. It's like, no, 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 none of this. We're under the crown thing. We are fully independent in our own country with no British ties or we keep fighting. And that leads into the Irish Civil War from yes. also also in the early 20s not necessarily a super long conflict on paper but like you said it had ramifications continuing you know well into what the 70s right.
1: even further than that i mean like into the into the 1990s because the uh good friday uh agreement wasn't until what 1998 so basically the after the anglo-irish treaty uh, of 1921 that set up ireland as a, as a domain Basically, it said, you know, the whole island of Ireland is now a dominion uh, of the UK. You don't have to be uh, an actual part of the UK if you don't want to. Um, they offered a, an opt-out clause, which obviously Northern Ireland took immediately because they wanted to still be part of the United Kingdom. But then that meant that uh, in Southern Ireland, you now had the, yeah, the pro-treaty and the anti-treaty factions that started, you know, started fighting with each other. And so the government in Ireland, or at least factions in Ireland, uh, still had a territorial claim over Northern Ireland, which is why the conflict lasted all the way until the 1990s. I think one of the major parts of the Good Friday Agreement was that Ireland, the country, gave up its claim to the territory of Northern Ireland. So they basically agreed, all right, Northern Ireland, that's fine. You don't have to be part of ireland you can be part of the uk and
0: it just kind of it just kind of evolved though so after the civil war which again ultimately the free state side won and the republican side lost and again republican in the sense that they were the ones proposing an independent republic of ireland but so i'm kind of confused i don't know, it, it did ultimately evolve into that so even though the free state side wins by was it 1937 or, or there's something called the republican I- of ireland act in 1948 basically it just kind of evolved and the Republican factions ultimately then still from within the free state side of things declared themselves an independent republic. Again, it's just, it's just kind of complicated in my mind of so they did basically set up on the side of we are like Canada or Australia are today. But then after a decade or two, nope, we're an independent republic and Great Britain has nothing on us. And the Great Britain basically just said, yeah, whatever. Like I'm still kind of confused on how that all went down me too right? okay no right okay so but <laughs> yeah so basically it, it, it just kind of was, was a slow evolution thing I, I think after the civil war there wasn't necessarily a single conflict or a single point point. and again I'm, I'm even looking on you know the wikipedia page here just kind of just talk about how yes like you were saying ireland remained neutral during world war ii oh here we go ireland's dominion status was terminated with the passage of the Rep- republic of ireland act 1948 and declared the state was a republic. So yeah, I I think that probably is it. The free state, the free state, dominion government finally just declared we are independent. By And then by 1955, they became a member of the UN. And that's what I've kind of heard too. So I've always wondered, you know, how does Great Britain view the American Revolutionary War? We view it as we won the war and became independent. I'm pretty sure if you ask your average UK citizen... We will be like, we decided it wasn't worth fighting you guys anymore and left. Right. So I think that's kind of the thing here, too. Ireland was just so stubborn. It got to the point that England was just like, yeah, fine, whatever. <laughs> and, yeah. and Canada and Australia have just kind of said, you know, we're fine being underneath that. Because I, th- I think there are some benefits that come with it as far as militarily and economically that you know, having that kind of connection can be beneficial. And Ireland was just like, nope. Don't care. Yep. We're our own thing. And England apparently just didn't fight them on it after the 1940s and 50s. Even though, yes, there was yeah. the internal strife that continued up well into the 90s. And yeah, tough place to be is Northern Ireland, where you are still technically part of the United Kingdom while on the island of Ireland. Yeah, the movie itself we have not really talked about it point by point because it does just kind of put you in this world. There's not a through line plot. It is just kind of these characters living in this tumultuous time and we kind of get to know them. And there's, you know, the heartbreaking things of, you know, Killian Murphy's character, who's kind of this revolutionary idealist, but then, you know, one of their young friends ends up almost kind of accidentally betraying him and he feels like he has to execute them. And it's, it almost makes you feel gross because it's this war, That's not a war, but, but, you know, in their minds, they are at war against the British, but it's not any kind of battle lines war. It's, it's almost like this constant guerrilla warfare, but in the late 19 teens or early 1920s. So they're all kind of wearing these, you know, overcoats and suits and have the guns. And it's, it doesn't feel like a kind of guerrilla warfare that you would think of with like Vietnam or something. And it's just dirty. And I don't mean that in a condescending way, just in a ugh kind of way.
1: Yeah. And there was also something that they they kind of touched on in that interrogation scene was there's this kind of a a lot of resentment between the British soldiers who had just returned from World War 1 yes. and now are sent to Ireland. You know, that officer in that interrogation scene, he almost starts crying. He's like these guys were at Somme, they watched their friends get blown up, they were in the trenches for literally years and now they come here to Ireland. They don't get a, a break. They are immediately taken from the front in France, and now that that war is over, now they're in Ireland, and you know you're killing them, you're blowing them up, right? And they get
0: assassinated by the IRA because it's specifically those guys they kill in like the pool hall, right? The guys, the the British guys. Again, they come in again. That kind of occupying force and that kind of oppressive mentality. They come in and just these guys are playing pool. They pat them all down rough him around a little bit for no reason other than we're in charge. And again, that's just kind of the movie's point of view. But then once the British officers go in kind of the back room, Killian's girlfriend brings in a bunch of weapons and yep. the guys walk in and just kill all the British officers. And that's where they're, when they're, yep. when they're finally taken in. Like, to your point, the guy says in tears, these guys fought at the Somme just to come back and get killed by you fools. Yeah. But again, it's just so complicated. Yes, Britain was an occupying force that was an unwelcome one, and so it's you would think easy to see that then the Irish have the right of self governance. But they definitely, it, it's it, honestly so it, it's similar to oh man, we can tie this into the cop thing. So basically, it's like okay, some cops have used their power and do things they shouldn't do. But then if a person then kills a random cop in retaliation to that, well, how is that justice? Because that's right. that's not who was against you. And so it ends up. It's 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 almost kind of very similar to that dynamic. I would say where they're killing anybody wearing a British uniform because some people in British uniforms are oppressing them.
1: And in that scene, they do such a good job of illustrating that because he says, you know, you are over here oppressing me. And the guy says, no, I'm basically says I'm here because you killed British officers. And he said, no, you're the government of Great Britain is oppressing us, the Irish. And the guy says, that's not my responsibility. Oh,
0: right. He's like, he didn't even disagree with. I don't
1: have any control over that. I am only here because you killed British officers basically murdered them in cold blood it's not my decision to make whether or not the empire still has control over ireland i am here to do this job
0: exactly and that ties into how most of this has to do with pride and they basically talk about the british empire's reluctance to let ireland go without a fight isn't because they want to fight for Ireland it's because they're worried about saving face on the world stage and when their when their yeah. empire has been falling apart over the last few decades yeah
1: when they talk about the treaty they're like you know he's like well what did you expect did you expect them to give us you know our freedom our independence and make us a, uh, an independent country what is that going to say to all of the uh, the rest of the british colonies in india and in right. Africa, you think that they want to have it, you know, deal with civil wars there too, or you know, deal with uh, with revolutions there too? No, they're gonna they're gonna say, you know, okay, fine, you can, you can be your own country and be our dominion.
0: Right. The moment we show weakness, we lose all
1: our territory which is 100% true because if you look at what happens in Africa and India over the next couple decades. Right. They do lose the empire. With the British empire. Right. Because they see, oh, well, hey, maybe we don't have to be under British rule anymore. Maybe we can, you know, fight them and win.
0: Right. We'll be talking about Gandhi in a couple months or whenever. And yeah, it's it's all related, Logan. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> it all ties together.
1: It's funny. We, we were talking about, well, it's, it's not funny,
0: but we were talking about Bloody Sunday
1: and, uh, uh, if you just go to the Wikipedia page for Bloody Sunday, uh, there's a bunch here. Uh, one of them is actually in the uh, the 1905. Oh wow, Russian, Russian Revolution. Revolution. Yeah, but of of all of these Bloody Sundays, three of them are from Ireland. One in 1920, one in 1921, and one in 1972. Oh wow! So like you know, some countries have like a Bloody Sunday that's like their uh, you know this defining uh, moment for their country, this huge terrible massacre ireland had three and in over the span of 50 years
0: wow yep anything else before we i guess kick to the next week um
1: oh uh i i didn't uh I, I didn't recognize uh liam cunningham right off the bat
0: oh i don't know who but, that is
1: uh, uh sir davos from game of thrones
0: what oh wait was he the train driver
1: yes ah i didn't cross my mind until you said that just now oh okay yeah I, I didn't recognize him right off the bat i was like and then i was like man that guy kind of looks familiar and i was like oh my gosh that's liam cunningham
0: and of course when the shakes the from what 07? Oh
1: yeah this is this is or 2006 uh, 2006
0: so but, but hey not that long ago if you think about you know, only about what seven or eight years before the first season we would have saw davos in right because he probably shows up in season two i don't know if we see him in season i don't think we see him in season one
1: Oh, yeah, I guess you're right,
0: yeah. Yes, and let's see. So, yeah, When the Shakes the Barley is an 89% on Rotten Tomatoes, and the, the first word in the consensus review is bleak, and I would say that is definitely an appropriate yeah. word to to use for this movie. It's, it's not necessarily a fun watch, but it, it, it is very good and very worth watching. It's kind of funny how we talked about last week with Viva Zapata how it does kind of use the historical events and characters, but changes a lot. Versus this is fictional characters, but is actually more historically accurate. Yes. Is that probably a fair way to say it?
1: Oh, yeah. 100%.
0: So, yes. uh, Highly recommend it. And uh, looking at our list here, it looks like we are ready to move on from revolutions for a, a bit which is uh, kind of a hard to avoid in the early 19th century and we will or 20th century and we will get back to them though but stick with us next week as we discuss the scopes monkey trial and the debate over teaching evolution in inherit the wind